Hello, you're listening to Wolves Weekly on Wolves Radio, a roundup of all of the week's action at the club with me, Gemma Frith, and as always, Mikey Burrows. Although, Mikey, this is the last time we're doing this this season. The campaign is over. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm all right. Um, I, I like the way we keep saying it for the last time this season because like the next season's <laughs> going to happen really soon. really soon we'll be doing other stuff during the summer so don't <laughs> panic everybody that you won't be able to hear from us for quite a long time it's just kind of maybe like a week's break probably in the world of wolves and then we'll be back <laughs> with something but yeah i'm all right it's kind of end of term vibes yeah uh seasons school's out, school's out for the summer season's but. finished <laughs> um i don't know what i'm going to do with ourselves for the next couple of weeks yeah you're right it will come around again so quickly like before you know it we're gonna be back with loads of updates loads of things happening and i'm sure also we're going to fill that time with hopefully speaking to some more of our worldwide wolf supporters as well so yeah it'll be it's a it's a few weeks away from premier league football but it's not really a few weeks away from wolves so um we'll be back in no time um but what an eventful campaign it's been for all for the 23s for wolves women and for the first team as well and um coming up at the end of today's episode we asked you on twitter for your favorite moments of the 21 22 season we've had some amazing responses so many different fantastic matches and memories and and personal moments as well for lots of people so we'll get to those a little bit later on but first let's round up this final weekend of the campaign it was a busy one for us wasn't it Mikey three matches in three oh. days <laughs> starting with the Wolves women in their playoff final last Saturday away at Stockport County now they were facing Southampton women and they are both champions of their respective leagues Northern Premier Division for Wolves and Southern Premier Division for Southampton and they had this final match to play off for a spot into the championship next season now they fought hard for 90 minutes they had some great chances but Southampton scored just one goal that made the difference and took the win and got them that promotion spot it was it was really heartbreaking I'm not gonna lie I mean we were on match day live extra with you Mikey at the end of that game and me and Claire we had a couple of tears it was really tough to take they'd given their all and they'd had such an incredible season and it felt so harsh that it was ending on a on a low for them um you know and if you look at the two sides on paper if you look at Wolves women and Southampton women, the amount, the difference financially, the the amount of investment that Southampton have had on paper, they are, you know, they are completely different teams. But on the pitch, that didn't translate. You know, they they looked like very even sides, and it could have gone either way. And you know, they just got they just got a lucky goal, and then in the second half, we had plenty of chances which could have equalised. You know, it didn't happen. But honestly, the girls should be so so proud of themselves. The impact they've made this season, you know, with such an incredible campaign that has really put a spotlight on women's football and on Wolves women. They they've made such a huge impact to girls, to to boys, men and women across the city. It's just been huge. They they're inspiring. They've introduced fans to the women's game who perhaps wouldn't have been before. And I'm just really, really excited for next season. Yeah, and look, I think there's there's some elements. I mean, on the game itself, uh, I think, look, we talked at length about uh, that we didn't think it's right that mm. the two teams have to play off for promotion. By all means, have a playoff game to decide the overall league champion. That feels like a nice end-of-season thing, but both sides deserved promotion. Let's yeah, just get absolutely. that out there straight away. On the game itself, I, I wonder, um, Jem, whether there was an element of Wolves won their division mm. quite early, right? They were completely dominant way through. Southampton had had a lot of games postponed, hadn't they? So. Yeah. They kind of, whilst we all kind of thought they were going to win it, 
well, by the, when Wolves won their title, Ipswich, I think, were top of the Southern yeah. Division. And Oxford and so- are still in contention as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Southampton put a great run together. They won all their games in hand as they were expected to do, and they got there. But it meant that I, I wonder how much, and I don't know what your view of this is, that, that Wolves, because there's such a length of time mm. between, you know, the, I mean, I know they'd had the County Cup final, but the length of time between when they'd had to be fully switched on and focused and then getting to that game, whether it just took them a while to get back up to the levels that they needed to be at, because the levels they needed to be at were far higher than the, most of the times they've played this season. And like we saw in the second half, Wolves, even with 10 players, were really strong. It was just that first half an hour, 40 minutes that cost them in the end. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, I think it was a couple of weeks. Once they had won the league, secured the, the title for the Northern Premier Division, the work, the work wasn't over for them. They still had a couple of weeks with a lot of pressure on them. And they were doing that as well without their head coach, Dan McNamara, who had to be called away with the RAF on an Altamere mission. So they were going through a tough couple of weeks. They had the pressure on them of the County Cup final coming up. They wanted to get them ha- their hands on some more silverware this season. And they had this, this playoff final looming as well. And you're right, you know, Southampton perhaps had a little bit more momentum in that period that was carrying them through to this, to this final. But I think... When it comes down to one match like that, where, as you said, both of them are so worthy of promotion and having to just come down to 90 minutes, you know, it, I think it puts a lot of pressure on both sides. And in that sort of situation, I think it, it just comes down to who's having a good day on the day. And I, and I don't yeah. think, you know, it's, I don't think it's reflective of, you know, it, if it been a different day, it could have been Wolverhampton Day and, and, and not Southampton. Don't get me wrong, Southampton are an incredibly strong side and a very worthy of promotion just as much as, as, as Wolves are. Um, it's just, yeah, it was just a tough one to take because you know how much work's gone into it. You know, you know, how much pressure has been on them to, to perform. And I mean, we, it's difficult when you have such an incredible side like Wolverhampton who all season have given us not just wins, not just results, but big results. They've won like three, four, five nil. They've they've beaten West Brom in all three matches this season, all the Black Country derbies. They've just had an incredible season. We're used to seeing them winning. We're used to seeing them performing at this absolutely incredibly high level. And so, you know, th- there is a lot of pressure on them to keep that up. And it's a difficult narrative in the way that this now means we're going to be back in the same league again next season. But I just really don't want any of the players to be going away. You know, I mean, some of them were apologising on social media. I don't think that's necessary at all. Yeah. I think they've had the main thing here is they have had an absolutely phenomenal season. They have they they are just all incredible players. They've all personally and as a team progressed and developed so much. I mean, this time last year we were looking forward to this season. They've been they've been awarded upward movement and they'd had that incredible FA Cup run, which took everybody by surprise as well. And I think. If you look at how much we've grown in that time, we've now got our hands on two trophies. We're now competing against an incredible side like Southampton for that promotion spot. We could have been in the championship. When you look at all of the achievements that they've made this season, they should be so proud of themselves. And honestly, it will be fantastic next season again to follow them. The fans that have watched Wolverhampton for the first time this season can go along and enjoy it again for another season, another campaign. And yeah, hopefully it'll be just as exciting as the last one. They had a situation, didn't they, in the game whereby... Look, sometimes it's just not your day. Mm. And, you know, for the the one defensive mistake they made, they got punished for. Mm. And then Kelly Darby's two yellow cards in the same incident, which I think everybody in the stadium, Southampton fans included, were a bit shocked and and questioning 
what what the second yellow card was for. I'm not sure and, we even got clarification of that ever. I don't think no, we, we and, ever found out what that was for. And I, I I don't always like to say you know that you you should referee the game in a certain way, but in a game of that magnitude, mm. you have to be absolutely certain yeah, in absolutely. those decisions. And I don't think you could be absolutely certain that it was worthy of sending a player off, and especially a player experienced as Kelly mm. Darley. And but you know you're right. There was nothing to apologise for. Mm. If anything. They should be immensely proud of what they did in that second half because it would have been very easy against a team as talented as Southampton with paid players, mm. with one of the greatest names in the women's game leading them, to, to kind of dig in and just say, right, let's just not lose the game by three or four. But they didn't. They went for it. And actually, they turned the tide. They, the momentum was with them. And there is that, that one moment which I'm sure has gone through Tammy George's head over and over again in added time of added time when the cross comes in and she, with her last ounce of effort, given that she'd given everything she had from through a long season in one massive monumental 45 minutes from them all, threw herself towards the ball and under pressure it went over the bar and not under. And I, it might not have made any difference to the overall day because... They were so tired. Ooh, Had yeah. they got it to extra time, they might have just wilted away anyway. But it just went to show the desire and attitude and character of that team that they still would not give it up despite yeah. all the circumstances being against them. So if any of them listen to this, do not apologise. We are so proud of you. And also, it's worth mentioning that on Saturday night, Wolves Women picked up a number of awards in the FA Women's National League Awards evening. Um, Maka won Manager of the Year for the Northern Premier Division. Shan Turner picked up Top Goalkeeper in Northern Premier Division. And Lauren Riley, who has been playing for the Wolves Reserves this year, she got Top Goalscorer in their division, the Midlands Reserves Division. So not only have they had such an incredible campaign, but that has been reflected in those awards as well. See, I, I have a gripe about this because, <laughs> as people were probably not aware, um, a number of us in the Wolves media team stayed up in Manchester after the game because, obviously, we were at Liverpool the next day. And somebody got an invite to the league dinner and somebody from Wolves Weekly did not. <laughs> I wonder who that was. Yeah, it was a lovely evening. <laughs> I hope so. It was. It was really nice. Although, I'll be honest, Mikey, I was, at that point, it was it was literally a matter of perhaps two hours after full time on that game, and I wasn't ready to hear lots of Southampton speeches, <laughs> and that's what it was. So it was, it was, a, it was actually a, a, a bit of, I was a bit of a, feeling a bit of a sore loser at that point, and it was a, a, a difficult evening to take with <laughs> some, some of the speeches, but... Lovely food, lovely drink, and of course, lovely to see the, uh, the achievements of Wolves women as well, collecting the, the, the trophies. Regular listeners will know I have a major <laughs> bugbear about this this season because Gemma got to go on the cruise, and guess who didn't get to go? If, if anyone's seen the array of castor gear that Gemma gets given all the time, <laughs> this guy do not get it. And then, and now, the biggest slap in the face. The league dinner, there's Gemma Frith, all dressed up, ready for it, to enjoy a free evening. This guy, 
is out at a Turkish restaurant with our boss. It was lovely. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and if he's listening to this, good company, Max. But still, <laughs> still, there was no invite for this guy to be at that dinner. Well, Mikey, you this have has to got to change. Make, make, make your case for next season. Twenty twenty two, twenty three, things are changing. <laughs> Even Tomo got to go on that cruise. <laughs> well, Mikey. Get your name in the hat for next year. Um, but it'll be an incredible season for Wolves when we go again in August. Dan McNamara is going to be returning, re- rejoining the team and then going again. So make sure you get yourself down there. As we've been saying all season long, next year, the beginning of the campaign and we'll go again for Wolves women. But that wasn't the end of our weekend, was it, Mikey? That was the first match in Stockport. But then our road trip continued over to Liverpool for the final day of the Premier League season. Now, uh, we were at Anfield. Of course, Liverpool at the time was still in contention for the league title. There was that title race narrative going on. And, and we upset it in the early moments of that match, didn't we? The, I don't think the uh, broadcasters and the, and the media really thought that it was going to perhaps go that way, did they? No, and let's face it, we were good, right? Yeah. We were really, for about 80, 85 minutes, we were the team most likely to score more goals in that game. We scored a great one early on from the long kick downfield that Raul teed at Pedro Neto. It's, you know, first goal of the season for Pedro Neto. Wonderful moment coming back from injury. It was a shame then that he picked up a knock and had to go off. And, and we kept on having opportunities and we kept on getting into great areas. And it's one of those funny things that I was, when I was leaving the ground, Gem, I was walking back to the car park with a colleague from a radio station in Manchester because they'd sent someone, obviously, to be able to keep up to date as quickly as possible mm-hmm. for, for Man City's point of view. And he kept saying to me, he was like, I can't believe like you don't score more goals because the stats suggest that we got battered because mm. Liver- Liverpool had lots of shots. And we didn't. But we were the ones making all the counterattacks. We were the ones making the breakthroughs. It was just a story of our season encapsulated in the final day in terms of the amount of times that we got into really good areas and we created some really good football, but we didn't finish it off or we made the wrong decision at the key moment. And like I say, that sums sums up our season. We all know that we need to score more goals. (laughs) But I think it, it... Hopefully, it gave people a little bit more hope mm. that there is still, you know, we've been a bit down over the last couple of weeks, and probably wrongly so, in my view. Yes, there's frustrations that we we dropped a couple of positions on the final day, mm. and we weren't quite in the position to challenge for Europe, as we all hoped that we would be. But we have to remember that we're still operating on quite a small squad, and Bruno's been cleared that... He thinks that we do need more players. And I think most people, most fans would agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, we need a little bit of a refresh as well because we're kind of at the end of that cycle. And, and whether we've already reached it beforehand, I don't know. But, you know, w- there, is a, there is a potential to bring in new, new fresh faces. Every squad needs it. But those that we still have, those that have been here, mm. showed us again at Anfield just why we've grown to love them over the last couple of years. Because they went there and played without fear. And when they play without fear, they are wonderful to watch. And if they just, just did the right pass in the final third (laughs) and scored some more goals, then I I think everybody would be absolutely delighted with the way it's gone. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a really strong display to end the season on for Wolves. I think it sent the, particularly the away fans that were there at Anfield away, very happy on 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 Sunday night. You know, it was it was a it was a really good performance to see us end the campaign on, and I think Bruno was happy as well. But he did say in his post-match interview, you know, now is the time for for a little bit of rest, and then the hard work begins now for next season. You know, I mean, we've got players of course have been called up for international duty as well in that time, but a couple they need a couple of weeks now to rest, spend some time with their families recuperate and then regroup and we go again for next season and as you say Mikey potentially we might have some new faces joining us next season as well we'll have to see how this transfer window goes um, but I know Bruno is very keen to have some new players so we'll have to just keep an eye on and, and see what happens there's plenty of rumours circulating already but we won't speculate on anything until it's uh, completely confirmed but yeah it's going to be it's going to be a big summer yeah, absolutely. Look, and that's what need, that's what happens at football clubs. And, you know, we have had a, a period of stability, really, in terms of the core of our squad for quite a long time now, which is relatively unusual in football terms these days. And in order to keep moving forwards, you have to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. We had the revolution a couple of years ago, and, and it brought with it such immense times, brilliant memories and games that will live forever and and it's made legends by the way and i want to talk about one of them specifically in a second it's made absolute legends but in order for the football club to progress new legends have to be made yeah we have to move forwards and whatever whatever means that takes this summer that's the job of the football club now does not just sit on our laurels and say we got to where we got to it's great it's to keep that progression going and as part of it, we have to pay tribute to the big man, John Ruddy, because he was there from day one of the revolution. And he came in in such difficult circumstances, Jen, when Carl Ikemi had just been diagnosed with leukemia and Wolves didn't have a goalkeeper. Mm. And I remember being there doing his first interview. And we were stood out the back of the training ground, which looked very different at the time. It hadn't gone through all the renovations it did after promotion. And we had a conversation. And basically, John, I remember saying to me, kind of saying, what do I say? Because I've not been brought into the club for reasons of, you know, being a great player or anything kind of that and stuff. You know, I mean, I've been brought into the club because the number one has a really serious illness. And people, I think, forget what that must have been like for him. Because especially on that first game against Middlesbrough, everything was about Carl Ikemi. Rightly so. Carl is a great friend of mine, and we all felt it at that time. Mm. But John, from day one, knew what his role was in that dressing room, knew what his role was at the club, and stepped up and did it magnificently. Mm. And not only was he a great keeper in the championship, keeping... I think 24 clean sheets in the season, which is unbelievable. He and Will Norris hold the club record for the most clean sheets in a season from that first season. He then changed his role to be the chief supporter. And we've all seen those videos, all seen those moments of when the team are walking off the pitch. He is the man stood by the dressing room door, shaking hands, congratulating every single player. That is the man that John Ruddy is. He's an incredible man. Honestly, I love him to bits. I wish him so much success in the future and he will forever be a Wolverhampton Wanderers legend in my view. 
Absolutely. What, what an incredible man and what a huge part of the club that he has been over the last few years. I mean, I think what, what you, people perhaps don't see as much behind the scenes is not only the amount of time that he gives up for, for his job you know, as a goalkeeper around the training ground, but also what, the amount of stuff that he does for the Wolves Foundation. He doesn't shout about it, but he, he, does, he does, gives up so much of his time, particularly for mental health. You know, with, They've got a Head for Health um, initiative where they support adults in the city of Wolverhampton. It's like a, it's, it's a scheme and he goes along, he speaks to people, he answers all of their questions, he goes on walks with them, he gets involved with the foundation in any possible way that he can and he's he's charitable with his time and I, I it just goes to show that not only is he the sort of character that is there supporting the entire team, he's supporting Wolves fans, he's supporting the city of Wolverhampton and he's not the sort of man to shout about it either. You won't see him you know, I mean, he, he got social media this year that we've always all enjoyed seeing him on, on Instagram now and getting involved with banter with, with the rest of the team. But, but, you know, he's not the sort of person to shout about what he does. And he, he's just such a great character. And it's been an absolute privilege in the short time that I've been at Wolves to, to work with him and, 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 and meet him and be around the training ground. Because, yeah, he, he really is um, a fantastic guy. And, of course, he's given some fantastic memories over the years. I can only enjoy it from the video highlights I've seen because I wasn't working there at the time. But it, what an incredible that day must have been against Cardiff, Mikey. I've seen <laughs> yeah. that video resurfacing in the last few weeks as well. I mean, talk us through that day. Um, it is uh, still the most dramatic football match I've <laughs> commentated on. Um, I've, I think I've told you this story where we were all going to have a night out in Cardiff after the game and I went home to the Midlands because I I was exhausted yeah I, 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 had nothing, <laughs> I had nothing to give I didn't want to be around anyone I didn't want to talk to anyone I'd had enough of speaking which as you know for me that must be a real real thing um it was just and it it was a tough game it was first versus second or second mm. versus first down at their place um at a key stage of the season. And it came like, a, in that week, we'd gone to Middlesbrough and won with nine players. And John was brilliant in that game, by the way. And then we'd come back and got a 2-2 draw against Hull at home, where Oscar Burr scores a brilliant-headed equaliser. And we go to Cardiff, and we'd kind of been, our lead had been cut. And if we'd lost, I think it would have been down to three points. Mm. And, and Cardiff might have had a game in hand, I can't remember. Um, but it, it felt crucial, and everybody knew it was crucial. And these were the two biggest teams in the division. And Ruben Neves scores a wonderful free kick. And then the craziest added time that ever happened, two penalties, John saves the first one, second one hits the crossbar, goes wide, everybody runs on the pitch, including Nuno. Like it's, uh, you know, To have been there and been surrounded by Cardiff fans and to have just lost it, it is unbelievable and you know and it's funny as because i know john doesn't really want to be remembered for that game because you know he's he, in his mind i think he's had better games in other matches but he is synonymous with that game <laughs> for what happened in the final few minutes and yeah memories that will last a lifetime absolutely yeah he's definitely given us lots of memories and he'll be he'll be really missed he'll be really missed by you know we've seen lots of tributes coming on social media from the other players from the rest of the team and yeah he's a big part of the dressing room but all the best to john for the future but mikey let's 
go back to that final three matches that we had last weekend to end the season. And let's end it with the high that was the under-23s in their playoff final. What a special, special evening we had at Molyneux. Achieving promotion into the top division of PL2. What a special night that was. Yeah, and weirdly, it was the most routine, boring game that they've had for about <laughs> three months. Uh, they, run, they went into a 2-0 lead. Two brilliant goals from Luke Cundall, who's just been unbelievable. He can't stop scoring, can he? <laughs> he can't. And he's, he's adapted to a, a more forward role for the under-23s mm. in the last couple of months because of the return from loan of Taylor Perry and the return to fitness of Joe Hodge and Harvey Griffiths. So Wolves are blessed at the moment in the 23s with some really talented up-and-coming midfielders. Mm. So Luke's ended up playing as an auxiliary forward or a, a central striker at some times. And uh, weirdly, when he scores, he tends to score in doubles. He's done that quite a few <laughs> times in the last couple of weeks. But he took his two goals magnificently. Hugo Bueno was superb mm-hmm. setting up the second one. He's been wonderful the last couple of weeks as well. But they, they just... They never looked in trouble against the mm. Stoke team who finished third in the league just behind them and had given them a real good game a couple of weeks ago at Molyneux when they'd gone 2-0 up and Wolves had got it back to 2-2. But it was never in doubt. And thankfully there wasn't a third penalty shootout in a row because I don't think we'd all have coped if it had gone <laughs> down to that lottery again. Um, and I, I just think that the point with the 23s, Jen, is that Sometimes football, like I said with the first team, and and with the women as well, it's a cycle. Mm. And with these 23s, last time they got promoted, the majority of that team, almost in its entirety, went out on loan or left the club or moved to the first team. And a young group of players, maybe too young at the time, were blooded and given an opportunity to go out there. And they found it really hard because they were 17-year-olds playing in some games against 22- and 23-year-olds. And that's a massive physical difference, let alone in footballing experience terms. But what it did for them is it gave them a perspective of what you have to do to be a professional footballer. And they got relegated. COVID confirmed it. It wasn't confirmed on the pitch, but it would have been had COVID Mm. not come along. And that group of players have spent the last two years building towards this. They got to the semi-finals of the playoffs last year. They were shattered, beaten by Crystal Palace in extra time. They had nothing left to give. Now, this year, as all of them, you know, we've literally seen them grow and develop and put on muscle and size and strength, and they look like professional footballers now. They're not the kids that I saw two and a half, three years ago. <laughs> they are men, and they played like men. And they, I, James Collins must be the proudest man, and Scott Sellers and John Hunter Barrett and everyone involved with the academy mm-hmm. because what they put in place in terms of the Wolves' way in saying if you're, if you're good enough, you're old enough, you can do it, step up, let's see what these players are made of. That Monday night was the culmination of not even three years' work, probably five years' work mm-hmm. in bringing them yeah. through from 16s to 18s to this point. Now, most of those are going to go now in some respects because the same thing will happen again. First team out on loan, 
maybe some will leave the club. That's the way. That's what happens in football. Yeah. But but what a memory! I know you were there. You loved it as much <laughs> as I did. It was brilliant to see. Oh, it really was, and such a such a brilliant high to end the campaign on, wrapping up our weekend of of three match days in a row. It was just brilliant, and so so deserved. I mean, we've spoken every week here about how well they've been doing, and it just I'm so pleased to see them get the promotion that they deserve into the top tier. I mean, they're going to be now playing against you know the top division of youth football. They're going to play against some big sides, aren't they? Yeah, Man City. Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Everton, all these teams are in that top division. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, it is tough, believe me. They've got me. new challenges ahead of them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it, honestly, it is really, really tough. And what we can say is that for those who will stay, and they will be added to with a really good group of under-18s, we know they're good. They got to the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup. So there's some real prospects coming through there. And then there's a really good group of under-16s that will come through and supplement it as well. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be fearful, maybe like we were last time, that that group is going to be split up. A lot of these players now, they deserve an opportunity. Luke Cundall has been grasping it in terms of the first team. There are other players around who deserve you know, a good loan. Let's go and see what they're made of. Mm. And then... And then, you know, they can come back and challenge like Max Kilman did and, you know, like Luke Cundall have for a first-team place at this football club because that's what it's all about. And Kevin Foley said to me afterwards on commentary, Jem, you know, when you're in the championship, it's easier to bring players through. Mm-hmm. When you're in the Premier League, you might only get one. You might only get one from a group. But, that, you know, you've done incredibly well to get that. And so to have had actually the number of players that we've had be on the verge of first team, be involved with the first team squad this year and potentially still can be in the years to come, that shows that Wolves are doing something right and we should all be proud of that. Definitely. I mean, I think what we've summed up from this weekend is that we are so proud of Wolves at all levels, the first team, the 23s and Wolves women. It's been a roller coaster of a campaign at times, but yeah, we can end it with pride and, and look forward to seeing the under-23s in the top division of PL2 next season. So... To end today's episode, as promised, we're going to have a look at Twitter, where we asked for your favourite moments of the 21-22 season. Now, as I'm sure we could probably have guessed, Mikey, several times is a mention for the comeback at Villa Park. What an incredible day that was. Ruben Neves scoring in front of the away end. It was a really, really special afternoon. And for many people, it was their favourite game of the season, understandably. The Wolves Women podcast have uh, tweeted us and they've said about Wolves Women's season beating West Brom three times as a particular highlight, winning the County Cup, particularly as it was against them. The game at Molyneux having so many fans there, definitely some highlights for Wolves Women. That's a point worth making, by the way. Games that have been played at Molyneux, the women and the under-23s and the 18s have all had the opportunity to do it. There was nearly 5,000 there for the under-23s in their playoff final. Yeah, it was a brilliant atmosphere for, for the under-23s, which I think helped spur them, spur them on in that playoff final. And that's exactly what we need. We need people to come along, get behind the 23s, get behind Wolves women, because we know how much a Wolves atmosphere can really change the game for our team. 
And of course, as well, we've got Raoul's first goal back is mentioned mm. by a few people. Kevin here said, I'm not crying, you're crying. It was, yeah, it was a really special afternoon, wasn't it? Mike here said that he drove all the way down to Southampton for that match during a petrol crisis. So spent <laughs> yes. the last of his petrol getting down to that match. And seeing that Raoul goal in front of the away end was absolutely worth it. Dave said that his goal against Southampton, he got so emotional when he scored that. But then, of course, Villa away for the limbs. But for the meaning, his favourite moment was definitely Raoul's goal it was such an incredible moment I mean it's it's been such a such a long campaign with so many different things that have happened it's brilliant to have him back and that moment he could share with the fans away at St Mary's was just really really special Steve here has said similarly as well of course last year we were ending a season that had been entirely behind closed doors um, Steve said just being back at Molyneux for the Watford game in March it was two years and two days since he'd last set foot inside the stadium for the last home game before the pandemic against Brighton the lump in his throat as he walked in told him just how much he'd missed it I mean it's been an incredible campaign being able to have fans back that was something that we were absolutely relishing in those first few matches at the beginning of the season um, and Leicester away for Martin here was a particularly special match for him it was just 15 days after he'd had his leg amputated Wolves was his motivation, his inspiration, and he returns to matches. And he's got a fantastic picture here, which I think was part of the My Wolves, My Shirt exhibition that we did, um, where he stood proudly outside Molyneux. So absolutely incredible, uh, Martin. What a huge inspiration you are returning to football. And I'm so pleased that Wolves are your motivation to get back and, and, and to do it. We've also got a tweet here from Manny, who said that his highlight was me raiding his stock on Sunday <sighs> Saturday. <laughs> We've always got to make sure we get plenty of samosas. Uh, it was for charity, Mikey. I made a big donation. Stuff, <laughs> but in, but in seriousness, he said that uh, his favorite moment was just following the achievements of Wolves. I mean, all season long has been amazing. Some of the goals scored. Wow. Um, and then in response to many, lots of people saying that their highlight of the season always is Samosa Saturday. Um, and uh, Martin here as well has said that his child is 11 years old and his first ever Samosa was one of the uh, one from Samosa Saturday and he is now addicted. And I think that leads us on quite nicely to a lot of people who haven't actually named necessarily big moments in, in the footballing season, but big personal moments, um, bringing their children or family members to games for the very first time. Gail here has said that her eldest's first away day at Man United is a day that she will never forget. I mean, what a moment that was at Old Trafford yeah. anyway. And then what a special one to be your first ever away day. That was absolutely phenomenal moment back in January. Nag here has said taking their kids to see Wolves and Wolves women. Craig has said taking my son to his first game against Brighton. It's lovely, Jem, because, listen, I, I've always said to you, and... And I said this a lot on Saturday after the women's game, right? When you when you look back across a football season, when you look back across the results and stuff, like in essence, no matter what you've done on the field, it's about the people off it. A football club is more than just a league table. It's more than uh, 90 minutes of a match. It is about the feeling that it gives to you. It is about the sense of community and belonging and family that we all are. And I know you feel this because especially when you've moved from outside the area and you've been welcomed into the family with people giving you free samosas and, <laughs> and all this and free trips around and all the kind of stuff. I, mean, I had to get the dig in. But right in the middle of your motivational speech. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it is, right? That's what Wolverhampton Wanderers is. 
you know, you it's it's about you know, the, the essence in the dressing room is always about you know you play for the badge on the front of the shirt, not the name on the back, and we all look to that badge, and we all feel that sense of pride and belonging that comes with it. So it is lovely to hear that people still feel that so immensely and have been able to share that with new generations and hopefully that continues for many many years to come because they're the ones who will continue that feeling of community and tradition which is why we all love the football club so it's lovely it's a lovely way to finish yeah that's what makes wolves wolves we are all one pack and we'll all stick together and as you say Mikey that is the most important part of it the community the bringing of everyone bringing everybody together to enjoy Wolves enjoy the city of Wolverhampton and everything that the club brings to us and yeah really really special and I'm already looking forward to enjoying it again next season but yes that brings us to an end for our final Wolves Weekly of the season. As you said, Mikey, I'm sure we'll be back with lots of content in the coming weeks. Starting on Monday, where on Wolves Radio, we're going to be releasing the brand new Ask Wolves series, which I know a lot of people have been waiting to hear from. We've spoken to a lot, I say we, Johnny Phillips has spoken to um, lots more people this time in the second season of Ask Wolves, lots of different people across lots of different parts of the club and that will be all being released at the same time on Monday, so make sure you keep an eye out for that on Wolves Radio for the audio only versions of that um, and then I'm sure me and Mike will be back in the next few weeks as well after we've had a little small small break and we'll be previewing next season but there's plenty going on over the summer we'll keep updated with all of it as it comes in and otherwise we'll see you for wolves weekly again next season thank you so much for joining us this year see you in a couple of months